Welcome to today's Triple Z. The Triple Z podcast is a daily program that you can use to help you fall asleep each night. Just turn down the volume, lay back, relax, and enjoy as you fall asleep. Heidi is a classic novel written by Swiss author Johanna Spiri. It was originally published in 1881 in two parts, Heidi's Years of Learning and Travel, Heidi's Lair UND Wanderjar, and Heidi Makes Use of What She Has Learned, Heidi Can Brochen, was E.S. Gellernt Hat. The story has since become one of the most well-loved and enduring children's books, captivating readers of all ages with its heartwarming narrative and picturesque portrayal of the Swiss Alps. The novel tells the story of Heidi, a young orphan girl who is sent to live with her reclusive grandfather in the Swiss Alps. Her grandfather, who is initially gruff and distant, gradually warms up to her and they form a deep bond. Heidi's innocence, kindness, and love for the mountains begin to transform the lives of those around her, including her grandfather and a young disabled girl named Clara whom she befriends in Frankfurt. If you enjoy our program, please be sure to write us a review on your podcast platform and share us with a friend. You both might sleep just a little better at night. Our website is triple Z, that's three Z's dot media. You can also like and share our content on Facebook or our Instagram account ZZZ Media Podcast. Music for today's episode was provided by the Sleep Channel on Spotify. Chapter 18 A New Home for the Winter Almuncle had kept his word and was not spending the winter in his old home. As soon as the first snow began to fall, he had shut up the hut and the outside buildings and gone down to Durfly with Heidi and the goats. Near the church was a straggling half-ruined building which had once been the home of a distinguished soldier. It was rented to poor people who paid but a small sum and when any part of the building fell it was allowed to remain. As soon as the grandfather had made up his mind to spend the winter in Durfly, he rented the old place and worked during the autumn to get it sound and tight. In the middle of October, he and Heidi took up their residence there. On approaching the house from the back one came first into an open space with a wall on either side, of which one was half in ruins. Above this rose the arch of an old window thickly overgrown with ivy, which spread over the remains of a domed roof that had evidently been part of a chapel. A large hall came next which lay open, without doors, to the square outside. Here also walls and roof only partially remained, and indeed what was left of the roof looked as if it might fall at any minute had it not been for two stout pillars that supported it. Almuncle had here put up a wooden partition and covered the floor with straw, for this was to be the goat's house. Endless passages led from this, through the rents of which the sky as well as the fields and the road outside could be seen at intervals, but at last one came to a stout oak door that led into a room that still stood intact. 
Here the walls and the dark wainscoting remained as good as ever, and in the corner was an immense stove reaching nearly to the ceiling, on the white tiles of which were painted large pictures in blue. These represented old castles surrounded with trees, and huntsmen riding out with their hounds, or else a quiet lake scene with broad oak trees and a man fishing. A seat ran all round the stove so that one could sit at one's ease and study the pictures. These attracted Heidi's attention at once, and she had no sooner arrived with her grandfather than she ran and seated herself and began to examine them. But when she had gradually worked herself round to the back, something else diverted her attention. In the large space between the stove and the wall for planks had been put together as if to make a large receptacle for apples, there were no apples, however, inside, but something Heidi had no difficulty in recognizing, for it was her very own bed, with its hay mattress and sheets, and sack for a coverlet, just as she had it up at the hut. Heidi clapped her hands for joy and exclaimed, Oh grandfather, this is my room, how nice. But where are you going to sleep? Your room must be near the stove or you will freeze, he replied, but you can come and see mine too. Heidi got down and skipped across the large room after her grandfather, who opened a door at the farther end leading into a smaller one which was to be his bedroom. Then came another door. Heidi pushed it open and stood amazed, for here was an immense room like a kitchen, larger than anything of the kind that Heidi had seen before. There was still plenty of work for the grandfather before this room could be finished, for there were holes and cracks in the walls through which the wind whistled, and yet he had already nailed up so many new planks that it looked as if a lot of small cupboards had been set up round the room. He had, however, made the large, old door safe with many screws and nails as a protection against the outside air, and this was very necessary, for just beyond was a massive ruined building overgrown with tall weeds, which made a dwelling place for innumerable beetles and lizards. Heidi was very delighted with her new home, and by the morning after their arrival she knew every nook and corner so thoroughly that she could take Peter over it and show him all that was to be seen, indeed she would not let him go till he had examined every single wonderful thing contained in it. Heidi slept soundly in her corner by the stove, but every morning when she first awoke she still thought she was on the mountain and that she must run outside at once to see if the fir trees were so quiet because their branches were weighed down with the thick snow. She had to look about her for some minutes before she felt quite sure where she was, and a certain sensation of trouble and oppression would come over her as she grew aware that she was not at home in the hut. But then she would hear her grandfather's voice outside, attending to the goats, and these would give one or two loud bleats as of calling to her to make haste and go to them, and then Heidi was happy again, for she knew she was still at home, and she would jump gladly out of bed and run out to the animals as quickly as she could. On the fourth morning, as soon as she saw her grandfather, she said, I must go up to see grandmother today, she ought not to be alone so long. But the grandfather would not agree to this. 
Neither today nor tomorrow can you go, he said. The mountain is covered fathom deep in snow, and the snow is still falling. The sturdy Peter can hardly get along. A little creature like you would soon be smothered by it, and we should not be able to find you again. Wait a bit till it freezes, then you will be able to walk over the hard snow. Heidi now went to school in Durfly and eagerly set to work to learn all that was taught her. She hardly ever saw Peter there, for as a rule he was absent. The teacher was an easygoing man who merely remarked now and then, Peter is not turning up today again, it seems, but there is a lot of snow up on the mountain and I dare say he cannot get along. Peter, however, always seemed able to make his way through the snow in the evening when school was over and he then generally paid Heidi a visit. At last, after some days, when Peter climbed out of his window one morning the door was quite blocked by the snow outside he was taken by surprise, for instead of sinking into the snow he fell on the hard ground and went sliding some way down the mountainside like a sleigh before he could stop himself. He picked himself up and tested the hardness of the ground by stamping on it and trying with all his might to dig his heels into it. But even then he could not break off a single little splinter of ice, the arm was frozen hard as iron. This was just what Peter had been hoping for, as he knew now that Heidi would be able to come up to see them. He quickly got back into the house, swallowed the milk which his mother had ready for him, thrust a piece of bread in his pocket, and said, I must be off to school, and in another minute was shooting down the mountain on his sled. He went like lightning, and when he reached Durfly, which stood on the direct road to Manfeld, he made up his mind to go on further. So down he still went till he reached the level ground, where the sled came to a pause of its own accord, some little way beyond Manfeld. He knew it was too late to get to school now, as lessons would already have begun, and it would take him a good hour to walk back to Durfly. So he took his time about returning and reached Durfly just as Heidi had got home from school and was sitting at dinner with her grandfather. Peter walked in, exclaiming as he stood still in the middle of the room, she's got it now. Got it? What? asked the uncle. Your words sound quite warlike, General. The frost, explained Peter. Oh, now I can go and see grandmother, said Heidi joyfully, for she had understood Peter's words at once. But why were you not at school then? You could have come down on the sled, she added reproachfully, for it did not agree with Heidi's ideas of good behavior to stay away when it was possible to be there. It carried me on too far and I was too late, Peter replied. I call that being a deserter, said the uncle, and deserters get their ears pulled, as you know. Peter gave a tug to his cap in alarm, for there was no one of whom he stood in so much awe as all uncle. And an army leader like yourself ought to be doubly ashamed of running away, continued all uncle. 
What would you think of your goats if one went off this way and another that and refused to follow and do what was good for them? What would you do then? I should beat them, said Peter promptly. And if a boy behaved like these unruly goats and he got a beating for it, what would you say then? Serves him right, was the answer. Good, then understand this. Next time you let your sled carry you past the school when you ought to be inside at your lessons, come on to me afterwards and receive what you deserve. Peter understood the drift of the old man's questions and that he was the boy who behaved like the unruly goats and he looked somewhat fearfully towards the corner to see if there happened to be a stick around. But now the grandfather suddenly said in a cheerful voice, come and sit down and have something and afterwards Heidi shall go with you. Bring her back this evening and you will find supper waiting for you here. This unexpected turn of conversation set Peter grinning all over with delight. He obeyed without hesitation and took his seat beside Heidi. But the child could not eat in her excitement at the thought of going to see grandmother. She ran to the cupboard and brought out the warm cloak Clara had sent her with this on and the hood drawn over her head. She was all ready for her journey. She stood waiting beside Peter and as soon as his last mouthful had disappeared she said, come along now. As the two walked together, Heidi had much to tell Peter of her two goats that had been so unhappy the first day in their new stall that they would not eat anything but stood hanging their heads, not even rousing themselves to bleat. And when she asked her grandfather the reason of this, he told her it was the same with the goats as with her in Frankfurt, for it was the first time in their lives they had come down from the mountain. And you don't know what that is? Peter, unless you have felt it yourself, added Heidi. When they reached their destination, they found Brigitte sitting alone knitting, for the grandmother was not very well and had to stay in bed on account of the cold. Heidi had never before missed the old figure in her place in the corner, and she ran quickly into the next room. There lay grandmother on her little, poorly covered bed wrapped up in her warm gray shawl. Thank God, she exclaimed as Heidi came running in, the poor old woman had had a secret fear at heart all through the autumn, especially if Heidi was absent for any length of time, for Peter had told her of a strange gentleman who had come from Frankfurt and who had gone out with them and always talked to Heidi, and she had felt sure he had come to take her away again. Even when she heard he had gone off alone, she still had an idea that a messenger would be sent over from Frankfurt to take the child. Heidi went up to the side of the bed and said, Are you very ill, grandmother? No, no, child, answered the old woman reassuringly, passing her hand lovingly over the child's head. It's only the frost that has got into my bones a bit. Shall you be quite well then directly it turns warm again? Yes, God willing, or even before that, for I want to get back to my spinning. I thought perhaps I should do a little today, but tomorrow I am sure to be all right again. 
Heidi noticed that the grandmother was wrapped up in her nice shawl and exclaimed, in Frankfurt everybody puts on a shawl to go out walking, did you think it was to be worn in bed, grandmother? I put it on, dear child, to keep myself from freezing and I am so pleased with it, for my bedclothes are not very thick, she answered. But, grandmother, continued Heidi, your bed is not right because it goes downhill at your head instead of uphill. I know it, child, I can feel it, and the grandmother put up her hand to the thin, flat pillow, which was little more than a board under her head, to make herself more comfortable. The pillow was never very thick, and I have lain on it now for so many years that it has grown quite flat. Oh, if only I had asked Clara to let me take away my Frankfurt bed said Heidi. I had three large pillows, one above the other, so that I could hardly sleep, and I used to slip down to try and find a flat place, and then I had to pull myself up again, because it was proper to sleep there like that. Could you sleep like that, grandmother? Oh, yes. The pillows keep one warm, and it is easier to breathe when the head is high answered the grandmother. But we will not talk about that, for I have so much that other old sick people are without for which I thank God, there is the nice bread I get every day, and this warm wrap, and your visits, Heidi. Will you read me something today? Heidi ran into the next room to get the hymn book. Then she picked out the favorite hymns one after another, for she knew them all by heart now and was as pleased as the grandmother to hear them again after so many days. The grandmother lay with folded hands while a smile of peace stole over the worn, troubled face like one to whom good news has been brought. Suddenly Heidi paused. Grandmother, are you feeling quite well again already? Yes, child. I have grown better while listening to you read it to the end. The child read on and when she came to the last words. As the eyes grow dim and darkness closes round, the soul grows clearer, sees the gulf to which it travels, gladly feels its home is nearer. The grandmother repeated them once or twice to herself with a look of happy expectation on her face. And Heidi took equal pleasure in them, for the picture of the beautiful, sunny day of her return home rose before her eyes, and she exclaimed joyfully, Grandmother, I know exactly what it is like to go home. A little later Heidi said, It is growing dark and I must go. I am so glad to think that you are quite well again. She ran into the next room and bid Peter come quickly, for it had now grown quite dark. But when they got outside they found the moon shining down on the white snow and everything as clear as in the daylight. Peter got his sled, put Heidi at the back, he himself sitting in front to guide, and down the mountain they shot like two birds darting through the air. When Heidi was lying that night on her high bed of hay she thought of the grandmother on her low pillow and of all she had said about the light and comfort that awoke in her when she heard the hymns and she thought, if I could read to her every day, then I should go on making her better. 
but she knew that it would be a week, if not two, before she would be able to go up the mountain again. This was a thought of great trouble to Heidi and she tried hard to think of some way which would enable the grandmother to hear the words she loved every day. Suddenly an idea struck her and she was so delighted with it that she could hardly bear to wait for morning, so eager was she to begin carrying out her plan. All at once she sat upright in her bed, for she had been so busy with her thoughts that she had forgotten to say her prayers and she never now finished her day without saying them. When she had prayed with all her heart for herself, her grandfather and grandmother, she lay back again on the warm, soft hay and slept soundly and peacefully till the morning broke. Chapter 19 Heidi teaches obstinate Peter. Peter arrived punctually at school the following day. He had brought his dinner with him for all the children who lived at a distance regularly seated themselves at midday on the tables and resting their feet firmly on the benches, spread out their meal on their knees and so ate their dinner while those living in Durfly went home for theirs. Till one o'clock they might all do as they liked and then school began again. As soon as Peter finished his lessons he went over to uncle's to see Heidi. When he walked into the large room at uncle's today, Heidi immediately rushed forward and took hold of him and said, I've thought of something, Peter. What is it? He asked. You must learn to read, she informed him. I have learnt, was the answer. Yes, yes, but I mean so that you can really make use of it, continued Heidi eagerly. I never shall, was the prompt reply. Nobody believes that you cannot learn, nor I either now, said Heidi in a very decided tone of voice. Grandmama in Frankfurt said long ago that it was not true, and she told me not to believe you. Peter looked rather taken aback at this piece of intelligence. I will soon teach you to read, for I know how continued Heidi. You must learn at once and then you can read one or two hymns every day to grandmother. Oh, I don't care about that, he grumbled in reply. This hard-hearted way of refusing to agree to what was right and kind and to what Heidi had so much at heart aroused her anger. With flashing eyes she stood facing the boy and said threateningly, if you won't learn as I want you to, I will tell you what will happen. You know your mother has often spoken of sending you to Frankfurt that you may learn a lot of things and I know where the boys there have to go to school. Clara pointed out the great house to me when we were driving together. And they don't only go when they are boys, but have more lessons still when they are grown men. I have seen them myself and you mustn't think they have only one kind teacher like we have. There are ever so many of them all in the school at the same time and they are all dressed in black as if they were going to church and have black hats on their heads as high as that dash and Heidi held out her hand to show their height from the floor. Peter felt a cold shudder run down his back. And you will have to go in among all those gentlemen 
continued Heidi with increasing animation, and when it comes to your turn, you won't be able to read and will make mistakes in your spelling. Then you'll see how they'll make fun of you, even worse than Tanette, and you ought to have seen what she was like when she was scornful. Well, I'll learn then, said Peter, half sorrowfully and half angrily. Heidi was instantly mollified. That's right, then we'll begin at once, she said cheerfully. Among other presents, Clara had sent Heidi a book which the latter had decided would be just the thing for teaching Peter, as it was an ABC book with rhyming lines. So the two sat together at the table with their heads bent over the book and began the lesson. Peter was made to spell out the first sentence two or three times over, for Heidi wished him to get it correct and fluent. At last she said, you don't seem able to get it right, but I will read it aloud to you once. When you know what it ought to be, you will find it easier. And she read out. ABC must be learnt today or the judge will call you up to pay. I shan't go, said Peter obstinately. Go where? asked Heidi. Before the judge, he answered. Well then make haste and learn these three letters, then you won't have to go. Peter went at his task again and repeated the three letters so many times and with such determination that she said at last, You must know those three now. Seeing what an effect the first two lines of verse had had upon him, she thought she would prepare the ground a little for the following lessons. Wait, and I will read you some of the next sentences, she continued then you will see what else there is to expect. And she began in a clear, slow voice. D-E-F-G must run with ease or something will follow that does not please. Should H-I-J-K-B now forgot disgrace is yours upon the spot. And then L-M must follow at once or punished you'll be for a sorry dunce. If you knew what next awaited you, you'd haste to learn N-O-P-Q. Now our S-T be quick about, or worse will follow, there's little doubt. Heidi paused, for Peter was so quiet that she looked to see what he was doing. These many secret threats and hints of dreadful punishments had so affected him that he sat as if petrified and stared at Heidi with horror-stricken eyes. Her kind heart was moved at once, and she said, wishing to reassure him, You need not be afraid, Peter, come here to me every evening, and if you learn as you have today you will at least know all your letters, and the other things won't come. But you must come regularly, not only now and then as you do to school, even if it snows it won't hurt you. He promised and the lessons being finished for this day he now went home. Peter obeyed Heidi's instructions punctually and every evening went diligently to work to learn the letters, taking the sentences thoroughly to heart. The grandfather was frequently in the room smoking his pipe comfortably while the lesson was going on and his face twitched occasionally as if he was overtaken with a sudden fit of merriment. 
Peter was often invited to stay to supper after the great exertion he had gone through, which richly compensated him for the anguish of mind he had suffered with the sentence for the day. So the winter went by, and Peter really made progress with his letters, but he went through a terrible fight each day with the sentences. He had got at last to you, Heidi read out. And if you put the U for V, you'll go where you would not like to be. Peter growled, yes, but I shan't go. But he was very diligent that day, as if under the impression that someone would seize him suddenly by the collar and drag him where he would rather not go. The next evening, Heidi read, if you falter at W, worst of all, look at the stick against the wall. Peter looked at the wall and said scornfully, there isn't one. Yes, but do you know what grandfather has in his box? asked Heidi. A stick as thick almost as your arm, and if he took that out, you might well say, look at the stick on the wall. Peter knew that thick hazel stick and immediately bent his head over the W and struggled to master it. Another day the lines ran. Then comes the X for you to say or be sure you'll get no food today. Peter looked towards the cupboard where the bread and cheese were kept and said crossly, I never said that I should forget the X. That's all right, if you don't forget it we can go on to learn the next and then you will only have one more, replied Heidi, anxious to encourage him. Peter did not quite understand, but when Heidi went on and read, and should you make a stop at why they'll point at you and cry, fie, fie. All the gentlemen in Frankfurt with tall black hats on their heads and scorn and mockery in their faces rose up before his mind's eye, and he threw himself with energy on the why, not letting it go till at last he knew it so thoroughly that he could see what it was like even when he shut his eyes. He arrived on the following day in a somewhat lofty frame of mind, for there was now only one letter to struggle over, and when Heidi began the lesson with reading aloud. Make haste with C, if you're too slow off to the Hottentots you'll go. Peter remarked scornfully, I dare say, when no one knows even where such people live. I assure you, Peter, replied Heidi, grandfather knows all about them. Wait a second and I will run and ask him, for he is only over the way with the pastor. And she rose and ran to the door to put her words into action, but Peter cried out in a voice of agony. Stop! for he already saw himself being carried off by all Munkle and the pastor and sent straight away to the Hottentots, since as yet he did not know his last letter. His cry of fear brought Heidi back. What is the matter? she asked in astonishment. Nothing. Come back. I am going to learn my letter, he said, stammering with fear. Heidi, however, herself wished to know where the Hottentots lived and persisted that she should ask her grandfather, but she gave in at last to Peter's despairing entreaties. She insisted on his doing something in return, 
and so not only had he to repeat his seat until it was so fixed in his memory that he could never forget it again, but she began teaching him to spell, and Peter really made a good start that evening. So it went on from day to day. The frost had gone and the snow was soft again, and moreover fresh snow continually fell, so that it was quite three weeks before Heidi could go to the grandmother again. So much the more eagerly did she pursue her teaching so that Peter might compensate for her absence by reading hymns to the old woman. One evening he walked in home after leaving Heidi, and as he entered he said, I can do it now. Do what? Peter asked his mother. Read, he answered. Do you really mean it? Did you hear that, grandmother? She called out. The grandmother had heard and was already wondering how such a thing could have come to pass. I must read one of the hymns now, Heidi told me to, he went on to inform them. His mother hastily brought the book and the grandmother lay in joyful expectation for it was so long since she had heard the good words. Peter sat down to the table and began to read. His mother sat beside him listening with surprise and exclaiming at the close of each verse who would have thought it possible. The grandmother did not speak though she followed the words he read with strained attention. It happened on the day following this that there was a reading lesson in Peter's class. When it came to his turn, the teacher said, We must pass over Peter as usual or will you try again once more I will not say to read, but to stammer through a sentence. Peter took the book and read off three lines without the slightest hesitation. The teacher put down his book and stared at Peter as at some out of the way and marvelous thing unseen before. At last he spoke. Peter, some miracle has been performed upon you. Here have I been striving with unheard of patience to teach you and you have not hitherto been able to say your letters even. And now, just as I had made up my mind not to waste any more trouble upon you, you suddenly are able to read a whole sentence properly and distinctly. How has such a miracle come to pass in our days? It was Heidi, answered Peter. The teacher looked in astonishment towards Heidi, who was sitting innocently on her bench with no appearance of anything supernatural about her. He continued, I have noticed a change in you altogether, Peter. Whereas formerly you often missed coming to school for a week, or even weeks at a time, you have lately not stayed away a single day. Who has wrought this change for good in you? It was uncle, answered Peter. With increasing surprise, the teacher looked from Peter to Heidi and back again at Peter. We will try once more, he said cautiously, and Peter had again to show off his accomplishment by reading another three lines. There was no mistake about it Peter could read. As soon as school was over, the teacher went over to the pastor to tell him this piece of news, 
and to inform him of the happy result of Heidi's and the grandfather's combined efforts. Every evening Peter read one hymn aloud, so far he obeyed Heidi. Nothing would induce him to read a second, and indeed the grandmother never asked for it. His mother Brigitte could not get over her surprise at her son's attainment and when the reader was in bed would often express her pleasure at it. Now he has learned to read there is no knowing what may be made of him yet. On one of these occasions the grandmother answered, yes, it is good for him to have learned something, but I shall indeed be thankful when spring is here again and Heidi can come, they are not like the same hymns when Peter reads them. So many words seem missing, and I try to think what they ought to be, and then I lose the sense, and so the hymns do not come home to my heart as when Heidi reads them. The truth was that Peter arranged to make his reading as little troublesome for himself as possible. When he came upon a word that he thought was too long or difficult in any other way, he left it out, for he decided that a word or two less in a verse where there were so many of them, could make no difference to his grandmother. And so it came about that most of the principal words were missing in the hymns that Peter read aloud.